Today, we get to dedicate the Grow Collective Community Garden officially to the Lord, and it is such a cool celebration. Um, My husband this morning, um, just out of nowhere, came into the kitchen and said, you know, the thing is, he said, if it's like the Tower of Babel, which was built for the glory of whoever was building it, they're like, oh, look how tall this tower can be. Let's, you know, let's see how great we are. He's like, if it's like the Tower of Babel, it's going to fall. But if, we, if it's about the Lord, it's going to thrive. And I think the really cool thing about the last year and a half that the garden's been going is that it's thriving. And I think that's in large part because we've always wanted it to be about what God can do in the garden. It's not ours, it's his. So it was really, it was like, yeah. So I'm so glad he said that this morning because it really summed up, I have more to say, but that really summed up what today is about, um, that it's actually about the Lord. So how good that we get to officially dedicate it to him today. Uh, So I remember watching the live stream when we were live streaming back in 2021, and Brendan had shared um, his vision for the space and asked others to come along. And it was neat just to see in the comment section, um, just people starting to put their hands up. Um, it's like the Fords are in. So here we go. So I was, I was excited because it was something that I could do with my son, who was just over one year old at the time. And if you've ever had young children around you, you know that like you're motivated to get energy out of them. So what better way to do that in the dirt outside in a contained space. So I was like, yes. Um, And I knew nothing about gardening. Like, I cannot emphasize the word nothing enough. But we came along because the invitation was there and it was something that I could use other gifts to contribute. Um, And Adam could use what he had, which was is um, endless enthusiasm and energy. So... um, Having now spent each Saturday for the better part of a year and a half at the garden, um, I just was thinking all week that I just can't help but be in awe of God's design. So just a few observations about a garden. A garden is unbiased as to who tends it as long as the work gets done. Gardens require attention, watering, pruning, as Fred chatted to us about last week. And gardens need some direction. Every plant is created with a different purpose. Some are herbs, or herbs as I would say. Some are fruit trees. Some produce vegetables. Some are flowers. Yet all are crucial to form a fully complete garden. Some plants need direct sunlight, while others need a bit of shade. Gardens produce a different harvest depending on the season, Seedlings need protection from the sun, so we mulch the beds in the summer. Unfortunately, weeds can creep in, and despite every effort to keep them out, and can take over if we aren't diligent to remove them. A garden is a place of growth, a place where seedlings and mature plants dwell together, where certain types of plants benefit each other by proximity. And compost is created when we return dead, pruned, or discarded fruit and branches to break down to rich soil only to replenish a new batch of seedlings. I remember the early days in the garden, wanting to be there but feeling quite unproductive as a result 
um, self-conscious then that I wasn't contributing more, as much of my time was spent looking after Adam. Um, so I was lucky to maybe pick a few tomatoes here and there or pull some weeds, but mostly I was just running after him. So I remember leaving one day and saying bye to Judy or Brendan, and I don't remember who said it, but one of them said, thanks for being here as long as you could. You know, it was just really good to be together. And at that moment, my mindset just shifted because I realized this garden isn't about productivity. It's actually about being together, and it's about coming as you are for as long as you can, being encouraged through fellowship, working to create a space where everyone belongs. Because after all, a garden is unbiased as to who tends it, including my son Adam and his friend Jackson. As long as the work gets done, or in their case, it's the strawberries that get eaten right away, or the dirt in the raised garden beds that gets jumped in over and over and over. Gardens, like all of us, require attention, watering, pruning, and direction. And that's required whether you're nine months old, like my son, nine years old, or 99 years old. Every one of us is created with different strengths, needs, and gifts, yet all are crucial to form a fully complete body of believers. We need Robin and Judy's gifts of hospitality to make cuppas at 11 a.m., um, which is morning tea every Saturday, just as we need Brendan and Matthew to build the garden beds, as much as we need Wendy and Dick to faithfully come along each morning to morning tea to fellowship together and encourage one another. All of us, like the garden, produce a different harvest depending on the season. Like seedlings, our children need protection at times from this world, so we cover them in prayer, keep them close, and come alongside them. Dissension, like weeds, can creep in despite every effort to keep them out and can take over if we're not diligent to fight against them. A garden is a place of growth, a place where Adam and I get to dwell together with more mature gardeners like Margie or Anne and work the garden alongside each other. And revival and renewal happens when we return dead, pruned, or discarded hopes, goals, and plans to be broken down to rich soil for the purpose of replenishing a renewed sense of God's purpose for us all. I can understand why God chose a garden to dwell together with us at the beginning of all things and how special that we get a glimpse of such a perfect place to dwell with him in our garden here. I would like to invite Brendan Steele to come share a bit about his um, heart for this garden. Thanks, Brendan. Hello. We're on. Um, I'm going to do things a bit differently today. Um, I'm here to encourage you, but ironically, I'm petrified. <laughs> so in a bid to relax this for myself, we're going to pretend that back wall isn't there. We're in the garden, so I've got no shoes on. I've got my feet on the grass. I'm sitting down in my garden chair and, um, yeah, I hope to encourage you. And um, I didn't sleep a lot last night. <laughs> this is not my natural environment. And um, it's kind of kicking myself because I, I put my hand up for this because I, I wanted to do a bit of a devotion, a bit of a testimony and encourage you. And 
I wrote all this down and I ended up with a devotion on hard hats, a garden, love, a fight, a postage stamp, an egg. (laughs) I'm going to try and weave some scripture into this and I've been told I've got 15 minutes before we get out there. So I hope you can keep up. I hope it makes sense. Um, I'm starting with a hard hat because I was talking to a mate on Friday on the phone. He said, Bren, bring your hard hat on Sunday. I'm coming in. The ceiling will probably come down, all this sort of stuff. And um, and we've all heard that a lot. And we joked about it and I said he's more than welcome. I haven't seen whether he's here or not. But um, if we're all honest, I think we know that most people would say, most non-regular church attenders, that um, with regards to church they often feel more judged than loved. Okay, so... Um, often they think of confession and fire and brimstone and um, they don't often see the love. So I'm here to address that today. And, yeah, being Garden Day also, I've been asked to give a bit of a chat and a bit of an explanation to why we're growing veggies in the car park. So, as I said, I'm going to do that in way of devotion but also a bit of a testimony because... God's been pushing my buttons for a few years pretty hard and he won't back off and here we are today. Um, But as I said, it's a bit all over the place. It's going to lack a bit of polish and perfection that Fred normally brings to the table. Bear with me. I'll read it out and we'll get it done. So um, while I can't talk for everybody who's been involved in this project, I suspect that we all have similar reasoning and I suspect... I suspect people involved in the coffee cart and the community barbecue out the side, I suspect that they've got similar motivations. So um, I love life. Life's awesome, but it can be tough. It can be really tough. And if I was honest, last year was one of the toughest years I've probably ever had. Um, We had a house just full of constant illness, gastro, six weeks of COVID lockdowns. I'm sure Darcy licked the table every time he went to kinder and brought home every bug. (laughs) Um, I think I got long COVID. I felt pretty ordinary for a while. Work was extremely busy. If you read the news and you know the industry I'm in, it's um, tough. Um, I wasn't the best husband or father. My wife and children let me know. Um, I wasn't the best son or brother or grandson or friend. To be fair, I was fairly absent. Um... Sorry, I had some good friends pass away. I wasn't going to get emotional. I've read this 50 times and that's fine, but... <laughs> um, we had the floods and we all had a taste of that. We all knew that wasn't great. Um, but I'm well aware we all have different struggles and I'm sure last year was much tougher on many of you than it was for me. I don't downplay that at all. My biggest struggle was the battle within my own mind, trying to make sense of everything. Um, To be fair and honest, I felt like I was just trying to survive every day, just day to day. One of the battles in my mind is um, sort of church-related. and It's like, why why does society seem to be running away from God? Why are they um, trying desperately to write their own new morals, but sort of on the run, very reactive to if it works or it doesn't. They're trying to write their own morals instead of using the morals that God gives us. And um, we hear depressing statistics on failing church attendance, 
The news is constantly telling us we are stupid, judgmental, bigoted, almost extremists, and we can no longer be trusted to hold positions of power in our society. We shouldn't be surprised by this, as the Bible uses words like war, fight, battle, struggle, conquer, and victory. It's no secret we are in a spiritual war, and our enemy is wreaking havoc all around us. Um... Maybe it's the red-blooded man coming out of me, but I see the beauty in being in a battle is that we're allowed to fight back. Okay, You don't have to sit back and take it. Don't get me wrong, there are seasons in our life when we may not be able to fight back and we may need to sit back and ponder, rest or just plain survive and hand it all to God. But I believe there are also times he expects us to fight. You see, all hope is not lost. And I can hear you all saying, we win in the end, and I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware that we win in the end, but we still have a job to do right now, as did the people we read about in the Bible. They all had their job. It's the same world. We have a job too. It's just not getting jotted down in the good book. So um, there are many ways to fight back, but today I'd like to talk to you about love, okay? So you see, the world is always changing. You could argue the world has changed more in the last 200 years than it did in the 2000 before. Um, But the wisdom in the Bible is that one of the very few things that has never changed throughout all the changes is love. And so we're going to start with that. Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the laws and prophets hang on these two commandments. I've got a few other verses we're going to rattle through pretty quickly with a similar theme. First Peter 4, 8-10. to Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. James 1.27 Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James 2.14-17 What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And the last one is 1 John 3, 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. If any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? I'm going to read that again because that's a challenge. If any one of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but within actions and in truth. You see, our God 
is a God of love. And Christianity is meant to be a reflection of that. Yes, there is judgment, but it's God's job to judge in the end, not ours. I believe his judgment will be fair and just and give justice to those who have been wronged in the world. Our job is to love and show people who want to hear that they can also be forgiven of any sins at any time, as we have been, and be assured that they can definitely enter heaven when they pass from this earth. So I heard it said once that may your love for God grow, but may your love for your fellow man grow also. And that's become a bit of a motto for me in recent times. Us blokes can often find this difficult, me especially. I'm a real introvert. I'm not naturally hospitable and not a natural when it comes to social intelligence. I find it difficult to initiate conversations with new people. Anybody who knows me knows that's all true. Um, So how do we show the genuine love that we are called to? I want to share a couple of readings from the Word today, um, the little booklet which Vision gives out. And the first one is on faithfulness. Faithfulness can turn the most menial job into a vitally important one. For example, think about how dependent we are on something as small as a postage stamp. It's always ready for service. It goes wherever it is sent. It does whatever task it's asked to do. It sticks to the task until it's done. It doesn't give up even when it's licked. It stays up to date and finds no job too small. We weren't all born with equal talents, but some of us are more gifted in certain areas than others. But every one of us was born with an equal responsibility to utilise his or her abilities at full capacity. That's the most any of us can do, and it's what God who gave us our talents expects us to do. There's a mantra that gets around nearly every leadership group and I've heard it here plenty of times. Um, 10% of people do 90% of the work. And I'm going to upset a few people and say, that's only true if the rest of us let it be. Okay? So, you see, we all have a job to do, and no one's person's job is more important than the next. We're all part of the vine, so to speak. We should be incredibly grateful for the job our elders and deacons do. I can put my hand up and say is the shortest serving deacon in Crane Baptist history. Um, The amount of mind-numbing forms, rosters, documents, paperwork, week to week, I don't think you fully appreciate the amount of work they do to keep this operating every Sunday. It is huge, okay? But in theory... All that work that they do frees up 90% of us to do the work of the Great Commission. Okay? I'm a big believer that God didn't give you interests and passions to feel guilty about. I believe that they are opportunities to live life with the community using what you enjoy. So it's garden day today. And the garden out there is a vehicle for us to all use our different abilities to show love and grace to the community. It's funny, when we started, Paul Downey, he was a huge driving force 
and um, we sort of decided that we didn't want a, a committee and all that. And it was a bit of an experiment to see how it operated if people just turned up with no politics, no ego, no competitive nature, just turned up to love and do good, okay? You see, Alicia named it the Grow Collective, and that has been very appropriate as it's definitely been a collective. We have had 15 to 20 people over the time use their building skills to build what you see out there. There have been people who are gifted gardeners get involved to educate us and help us as we try to grow as much food as possible for anyone to take. People who show great hospitality and make people feel welcome and fed. People who are tech savvy, who have advertised it on social media and continue to use it as an educational tool. Some people have shown up to encourage and have a chat. Some businesses in the community have been very generous with labour and materials and people in general have donated everything you see out there and we're going to talk about that a bit more outside. You see, I figure that our community is full of people like the bloke in the ditch that the Good Samaritan saved. Not everybody has been bashed, but some have been. Some are hungry, some are poor, some are abused, some have drug or alcohol addictions. Some people have just never had a fair start in life or are victims of circumstance. Even though the Good Samaritan was busy on his way somewhere, he stopped. He helped and he gave unconditionally of his finances. Could we say the same? You see, sometimes in thinking about church statistics, it seems like sort of Christian versus non-Christian, but the way I see it, God loves all his creation. As a rule, people aren't bad people, and God loves them dearly. Think about the lost sheep and the prodigal son. God is desperate for a relationship with these people. And I suspect that's why Jesus spent so much time with them. The second reading from the Word for today is on 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to anybody who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And it goes on to say, there are two ways to crack an egg out of an eggshell. Number one, you crack it open. Number two, put it in a warm, loving environment and allow it to incubate and hatch. The second way preserves the chick while the first one kills it. Likewise, two ways to get the good news of the gospel across to people are to one, pound them over the head with it, or two, love them into God's family. Have you ever noticed that some evangelism is a thinly veiled insult? You need what I have because you're so awful. People do need the good news, but your disposition can keep them from receiving it. Respect unbelievers. Don't humiliate them. Respecting means accepting them. That doesn't mean that you have to approve of their lifestyle. Acceptance and approval are different. But everybody has the right to be treated respectfully. The best way to share the gospel with unbelievers is to surround them with love and acceptance as you share it with them. Be respectful, sensitive and sharing. As after all, evangelism is just one beggar telling another where to find bread. So my own thought on all of this when I think about it is 
people have genuine questions and, and they have reasons for not following Christ like we do. That doesn't make them bad people. We need to always be prepared to give an answer. Um, I've got a real interest in apologetics and that doesn't mean we apologise for our faith. The word apologetics means to give an answer. There are Christian apologists who go to the most hostile crowds in the most prestigious universities around the world and they have debates with atheists, but more importantly they do, they do um, Q&A sessions with all the professors and the students and you can go in and ask any question. And the beauty is that we can watch these debates at home from the comfort of our own couch and they give a lot of these answers. And they, they, they will tell you that even though the questions are worded differently, there are only really 20 questions that people grapple with in life. Um, I was at a wedding probably two years ago and I didn't really know very many people there, but I was having a talk with two great blokes, one I knew a bit and one I didn't. And the one I didn't know was discussing his job in agronomy and how some farmers were very superstitious and as crazy as religious people. Um, he must have seen the look on my face and he asked, you know, are you religious? And I said, well, yeah, you could say that. And um, it opened up about an hour, I kid you not, of just genuine, honest, curious, respectful discussion between me, an atheist, and a bloke who thought science had ruled out my living God's existence. But their questions were real. I was told the atheist fella grew up in a Catholic church, but in his opinion it was just all ritual, and if my God was so loving and powerful, then why do kids get cancer? I was asked, with so many gods, how do I know I'm following the right one? And then in the end, well, finally, who is this Jesus? They're real questions. It's been said that a person will not see your view unless they doubt their own first. So I think we need to get about and find what some of these questions are and find how we answer them because they're genuine. It can be scary to have these conversations. People won't always like your opinion. In Hebrews 11, 36, 37, it says, Some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They're killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. It puts kind of, you understand, we're worried about if somebody doesn't like us or um, somebody writes something negative on Facebook and we stress about that a bit. I'm not seeing a lot of goatskins and sheepskins out there. And um, I have enough a laugh and I think of old mate Noah and he was about the only believer left on earth. And it reportedly took him 120 years to build the ark. He would have sacrificed wealth, work and family time while being mocked the whole time. Like the bloke built a massive boat in his backyard for 120 years. Can you imagine the mocking he would have received? But if he hadn't have fulfilled his purpose, where would we be now? So I just want to say... It's important to understand that this is not a membership drive for the community garden. It's an encouragement that if you're disheartened by some of the things that you can see happening around you, you can do something. Do anything. You don't have to form committees and keep minutes to love people and share the hope we have in Jesus. Two great things 
to live by are the greatest commandment and the great commission. You see, I figure that love, as directed biblically, helps those in need. It fulfills our calling, it silences our critics, and it makes people feel the message of Christ, not just, not just hear it. Are we looking for ways to share God's love in our work lives, in our businesses, in our hobbies, family? Anywhere you are, there are possibilities. The time to stand up and act is now. We need to meet and share and brainstorm ideas. We are an affluent people with resources and the God of the Bible is on our side. Remember, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And I think it's time we believed that and stepped out, no matter how busy we are or how difficult life is, and love people as God intended us to do. So I'd like to just quickly finish with a verse which Bob sent me probably a month ago. It's from Hebrews 10, 22 to 25, and it's a call to persevere in the faith. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I'm going to leave it there. And right now, we're all going to get up and go outside. And, yeah, we'll get amongst it out in the garden. I think we're going to have a little quick service and then have a good day together. Thank you.